Welcome to this edition of Hindsight is Horrifying, the show where three mostly normal and somewhat cynical adults discuss life as members of the TV generation. Now here are your hosts, Darth Jada, Jason Mitchell, and Adam B. Hello, 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 and we are back. Yeah, we are. Yeah. Another exciting excursion into whatever it is we do every week. I don't know. We yeah. pump adrenaline. Yes. Yes. To the airwaves. We pump something. That's for sure. <laughs> this well, is Hindsight is Horrifying, yeah. and we have got another movie for you today. And it was, uh, Darth, it was your pick. It was my mm-hmm. pick this week. That's true. And what awful thing did you make us watch? I'm, I know. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Easy. Uh, I actually picked a movie that scared the living hell out of me. I'll get into that in a moment. Uh, and my Critters? Feelings. We already did that. No, that was Jason's fear no. <laughs> when yeah. he was a little kid. I picked the talented Mr. Ripley uh, from 1999, Hindsiders. That would be uh, 20 years ago, I do believe, at this point. Maybe 23 years ago. It was a while ago. <laughs> yeah, 1999, it feels like, uh, you know, 10, maybe 15 years ago. And then you look at the fact that it's 2022 and we've all been huddling inside for three uh, years. And where is the time gone? It has, it has been an odd, odd period of months we fell down a rabbit hole and just kept on tumbling yes yes it's been a journey but anyway we're alive we're sound ish um and what what exactly was the motivation okay so the reason why i selected this movie it's a great alpha seinfeld choice for me because i saw it when i was 12 years old and uh my cousin tara took me to see this movie and Matt Damon wasn't really a household name. He had already won his Oscar for Goodwill Hunting uh, for writing that with Ben Affleck. So for writing Goodwill Hunting on his own, and uh, in the same room as Ben Affleck. Yeah, Ben yeah. Affleck was there. There was also weed involved, if you're to believe Family Guy. But I won't go uh, down that path. But uh, Matt Damon wasn't Matt Damon just yet. So, uh, but people knew who he was. And so Tara was like, hey, let's go see this movie while the boys go see whatever dumb movie they went to go see. So my boy cousins went to see that movie. We went to see this one. And Hindsiders, Matt Damon scared the ever loving piss out of me during this movie. Really? Oh my God. And my 12 year old self was like, who is this creepy guy? Because that's the last, that's the last reaction I would have expected. <laughs> Well, no, what really scared me, too, is the fact that I do imitations, as you guys have come to realize, and he does a lot of voices and impressions in this movie. And I was like, am I going to grow up to be creepy like this guy? Too <laughs> late. I, I couldn't <laughs> handle it because uh, for those of you who have not seen this absolute gem by Tone, uh, Ant- Anthony Minghella, is that how you pronounce mm-hmm. it? Uh, mm-hmm. Who also directed The English Patient. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a brilliant movie, but Matt Damon is a serial murderer at the end of the day and doesn't start out that way though no no it doesn't well i don't know because it's based on a novel uh by patricia highsmith i believe Mm -hmm. and uh the talented mr ripley i think the novel character is very uh, he differs in a lot of ways from the movie mr ripley so like there's a difference between psychopath and sociopath we can go down that rabbit hole later but i think the movie tom ripley is vastly different from the book tom ripley but we can discuss it Oh, see, I haven't read the book. I haven't uh, read the book, but I, I did a lot of research and I read the summary of it. So I believe that the book Tom Ripley falls more under the sociopath. Uh, isn't, isn't that funny that we used to get in trouble for doing that in school, just reading a summary of a book? But now we do it all the time. 
Yeah. Who has time to read a book? <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's so much faster. Hold on. Let, let's do some justification here because I took copious, wow. copious yeah. notes. I even wrote a lot of my own. And your handwriting is beautiful. That's actually more than Matt Damon wrote for Goodwill, or oh. for, uh, more than Ben Affleck wrote for Goodwill Hunting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's true. I, I'm very good at forging signatures and so doing So I, I have to pause for a moment. Did, are you saying that uh, Ben Affleck did not write much? That it was mostly that's the Matt ongoing Damon. joke. Oh, okay. Is that you know people? I know you're not a big it's fan very of the guy person, too. but they have a short where Matt Damon is typing away you know, studiously, and Ben Affleck's getting high on a couch behind him, and he's like, "Oh yeah, why don't you just throw my name in there too, dude?" He's like, "You didn't do anything or contribute in any way whatsoever." But so. I'm better looking than you. All right, I'll put you. Oh, in. see, uh, that's another thing for it's, now. That, that, that's a that's a Han and Luke thing. Some girls like Matt Damon. Some girls like Ben. Affleck. It just depends on your taste, I guess. I was always a Matt Damon girl myself. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. Matt, Matt Damon certainly has always seemed like... After the, I got over my, you know, uh, you know, dying fear of him from well, his movie, well, that is. Well, let's talk about that. So this this scared you, and I'm fascinated oh, it by that. scared the living hell out of me. I could, I'm not kidding. I couldn't look a, at pictures of him. He'd be in People magazine just smiling, you know, looking like the all-American boy. And I'm just like, oh, my God, it's that guy from the talented Mr. Ripley. Ugh. Like, I was terrified of Matt Damon for years. And he lost 20 pounds, I think. For 30. This one. 30 pounds. Yeah, he, he lost was a, a good skinny deal thing. Okay, so it scared you. <clears throat> and I, I want to tap that. I want to I figure out exactly why. You want to tap what now? <laughs> <laughs> Your fear, yes, not you. Fear. Yes. Okay. Just clarifying. Because the movie is sort of like um, if you've ever seen Catch Me If You Can, only instead That's of being what I thought of. yeah, instead of being wacky hijinks, it's murder. Yeah. Um, and kills you know, repressed sexuality. A lot of things going. Well, on Well, yeah, in this he movie. Th- kills three people. Yes. Possibly, possibly more. Yeah, possibly more. Yeah, maybe more. Of the whole family. Well, you assume yeah. he's going to kill more. Well, I don't know. So that we can talk yeah, about yeah. Let's give him the plot. Yeah, yeah. So here's the synopsis of the movie for you, hindsighters. Uh, to be young and carefree amid the blue waters and idyllic landscape of sun-drenched Italy in the late 1950s. That's La Dolce Vita. Tom Ripley, uh, the life that Tom Ripley craves and Dickie Greenleaf leads when Dickie's father asks Tom to bring his errant playboy son back back home to America. Dickie and his beautiful expatriate girlfriend, Marge Sherwood, a.k.a. Gwyneth Paltrow, never suspect the dangerous extremes to which Ripley will go to make their lifestyle his own. So in the book, and I think it's important to delve into this right away in the book, uh, this is all planned out to a certain extent. So Tom Ripley from the get is a con man, a yeah. bad con man. Wow. He's not okay. a that's, one. that's a completely different yes, angle. Yes, because yeah. in the movie, it's almost like he tumbled into this world of being yeah. a con man. He's, you know, he's a hustler. He works multiple jobs in, you know, the rustling city Yeah, but he's, a, York, he's a small but, time. He, yeah, yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. you know, small potatoes, exactly. He takes piano jobs where he can get them. In fact, the reason why he's mistaken for an upper-class kid in the first place is because Dickie Greenleaf's dad, Herbert Greenleaf, sees him in a Princeton jacket, uh, class of 1956. And he's like, oh, you must have known Dickie. My, my kid went to Princeton the same year. And uh, immediately, though, Tom falls into that and goes, oh, yeah, Dickie, how is he? You know, and just Dickie pretending doing? that they were friends when they weren't. Uh, now, Tom did spend time at Yale. He was tuning pianos on yeah. the campus, but he wasn't a student there. Yale well, or Princeton? Princeton. Oh, Princeton. Oh, okay. I'm yeah. sorry. Princeton. <laughs> Yale. Well, you uh, see, and I, <clears throat> Ivy Leagues, you know. That's one of the differences between this and uh, the Frank Abagnale 
uh, story in Catch Me If You Can. Because, mm. you know, they both have that instinctive ability, but Frank just does it. You know, like he, he go, he, it, it's he's smoother. It's, he's very smooth. You see a little flicker every once in a while in uh, Matt Damon's face of sh- almost like, should I, should I tell another lie and keep this up? Little hints that he doesn't want to do it. Frank Abagnale in Catch Me If You Can, he just loved it. And he was going to keep doing it until somebody stopped him. Right. right? Which they did. Uh, but, but now, but now he works for the FBI. So, and we're with you know. the FBI. But yeah. So in the book, though, Tom Ripley in the book is actually already a con man when he lives in New York. He's not uh, a bathroom attendant slash uh, errant pianist like the movie one is. So he's actually running a con against the elderly, calling them on the phone, saying that he's the IRS and that they owe additional oh. taxes and that they must submit those taxes via check. The problem is that in iTunes, making- iTunes gift cards, <laughs> <laughs> you iTunes gift cards. <laughs> anyway, uh, the problem with that scam is that the checks are all made out to the Internal Revenue Service. So Tom can't cash them, even though he's gotten thousands of dollars out of people. There's nothing he can do with the money. So. He's not a skilled con man, but he's a con man nonetheless. So when Herbert Greenleaf in the book approaches Tom, he um, and they even abandon their projects with Dickie for different reasons. So in the movie, same basic story. It stays true to form. So Tom is sent to Italy by Herbert to fetch Dickie back to America. And uh, things go awry for Tom in the movie when Herbert basically gives up and says, oh, okay, it doesn't look like you're having success bringing my son right. back, so I'm no longer funding your lifestyle. Right. Uh, whereas in the book, uh, Dickie and Tom, they are, yeah, they travel around uh, Italy and become incredibly close. And Marge, the fiance of Dickie, she ends up confronting them for their closeness. And that's mm. the only, that's another thing we got to get into. That's the only hint of their relationship, right. the two men when Marge confronts them and then Dickie turns kind of cold against Tom again. And then when Tom realizes that Dickie might be turning him out, he decides like makes the decision to kill him as opposed to having like a lover spat with him on the boat and murdering him out of passion. They're They're beating the crap out of him with an oar. They're in their early twenties. You know, you have a couple drinks, you're in close quarters. Things happen, right? (laughs) How old were you when you were on a submarine? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, but there's no alcohol. Is that too close? There's no alcohol though. So, (laughs) Not that anyone knew of, okay? Well, what strikes me about what you said most of all is the fact that this, this sort of setup, the uh, inciting incident, which is that James Rebhorn, who plays Jude Law's dad, decides, hey, I just met this guy who says he knows my son. I'm going to give him the equivalent of like 15,000 bucks today. No, right. I, I know the exact oh, You actually, okay, actually. all right. The inflationary <laughs> calculation. And send yeah. him to Italy via the Cunard line first class. Oh, yes. Which probably cost 20,000, you know, to get a first class transatlantic <laughs> cruise and, and just kind of hope that this works out. Not verify a single word that the guy said. Just assume it. And uh, somehow this guy runs a successful shipping company. Well, think about it. Back then, he couldn't go on the web looking for other Princeton graduates. That's true. He might be able to send it. But he, could, but he did hire Mr. Bookman from Seinfeld. Uh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Inspector Bookman. <laughs> my, uh, no, Actually, just saw him on TV last night. My note disappeared somewhere, but it was a little over $10,000 okay. that it inflates. Okay. So the grand that right. Herbert gives Tom, yeah, it would have been about ten grand these days. Uh, but yeah, so... 
And like Adam said, it's not like he could look up a fellow Princeton student to go fetch his son, but it, that the whole movie rides on that concept. If you think about it, it's not just Herbert Greenleaf who takes Tom's word for everything because he's a privileged white male. Like he goes through the entire movie saying he's Dickie Greenleaf and people believe yeah. him. He's got outdated photos, you know, and he's, you know, getting some facts wrong here and there and he stumbles, but people are mostly, whenever well, he shows a little bit of outrage at being confronted, they're like, oh, sorry, Mr. Greenleaf. And they just, you know. But be fair, they are in Italy. What does that have to do with it? <laughs> I, I'm just saying I have a feeling like in the 1950s, if you're going to do like passport sort of fraud, probably Italy is a better bet than, say, Britain. Just be quiet over there. Hey, yeah. ciao. You know, I mean, you know, uh, uh, sorry about the picture not looking like me. It's okay. I don't even look. <laughs> Doesn't and, matter. And it was a real picture that was glued into a book. <laughs> yeah. You can actually probably glue another picture yeah, just, over it if you wanted to. I mean, that's one of the things about like movies like this or Catch Me If You Can or any kind of high jinxy sort of movie. You can't do it today. Hijinks. That's hard. I don't think that's really the right word for this movie. Not to date myself, but my first driver's license didn't have a photo. Really? Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. So you could just hand somebody here, tell them you're me. Yeah, exactly. It didn't matter. Oh, man, that must have been great. That's a relatively new thing. Didn't we just celebrate his 44th birthday? (laughs) For the the 10th or 20th time. (laughs) I love that birthday. It's my favorite. Proceed. Uh, So, yeah. you know, Tom finds himself in Mangibello, uh, a fictitious town. In- Mangibello. Mangibello. You got to see Mangibello. Well, Mangibello. Well, they got the festival. Where do people bring in the thing out of the water? <laughs> and, and, the then the girl. Like, and then the girl. <laughs> and okay. then the girl. Okay. Pregnant girl. Yeah. Hop it to the surface like girl. a baba. Yes. Now, let me ask you this uh, about the about the pregnant girl, because I did have this, this question when I watched the movie. Um, Silvana. Silvana, who is the girl Jude that- Jude Law's mistress. Yeah, Jude Law's fooling around. So, yeah, so Tom comes to Italy and uh, he basically inserts himself into the lives of Marge Sherwood, Dickie's fiance, and Dickie Greenleaf. So, uh, meanwhile, Dickie's a playboy. And one of the things that Anthony said about casting Jude Law, I know uh, some comments were made about him off camera about his acting abilities. No, he's he's a good actor. He just doesn't cost a lot. Well, no, I mean, he's just, he's off putting. I don't know why. I don't dislike the man at all, but I just, I, you kind of want to hit him a little bit. I kind of want to hit him in the face. Yeah. I don't know. Like Mingela said that as far as casting Jude Law, he said he needed somebody who was going to be charm on legs, somebody that he could see both men and women being attracted to, which is very important in this movie because as we come to find, Mm -hmm. Tom is, you know, Hosting these homoerotic tendencies toward Dickie. And he, pre- I can never really tell if he does love Marge or if he simply pretends because I don't that's he, what he's supposed I don't to he, be. Yeah, I don't think oriented he loves Marge. Toward. Yeah. No. So uh, Tom just, even when he arrives in Italy, you sort of see the con man's side of his personality come out because when he's first spying on Dickie and Marge out on the beach, you hear him speaking in Italian and he's saying, Oh, I'm Dickie Greenleaf. This is my face in Italian. And like saying that Marge is his fiance, but you wonder if that's just him trying to adopt some mannerisms that will make him passable to Dickie as a Princeton, uh, you know. Well, that, that's a student. weird, yeah, that's a weird thing in the beginning uh, of the the Italian part of the movie because he he has like this plan almost. You, you know, he he picks up the shoes, he walks out, he turns around, he says, "Oh, hey." You know, he introduced, I just happened upon you, Dickie. Yeah, uh, and it's sort it of you? yeah, and it's sort of like, oh, okay, what's he doing? And then they they go back. He pe- tries to pass himself off as a as a former student, uh, fellow student. Yeah, they end up back at Jude Law and Gwyneth Paltrow's villa, 
And he immediately spills the beans and he does the thing where he starts imitating, you know, like, what do you do? Oh, I imitate. And I had the impression like just noise. Yeah. yeah, And I, I felt like Matt Damon's character was like building up towards like some kind of power play. Like, here's the deal. Your dad sent me here. But then he just doesn't. And he just immediately goes off on this very weird path. Well, no, it's sort of to win Dickie's trust. So uh, in it, there's, you know, they allude to the title, Jason, as we love. Yes, yes. Uh, so Tom and Dickie are having a conversation at the villa, like you said, and Dickie tells him, everybody should have one talent. What's yours? And Tom immediately, like you said, he's blatantly honest about oh, yeah. uh, this entire scheme to bring him back to his dad. He says, so uh, his talent, when he answers, he goes, forging signatures, telling lies, impersonating practically anybody. And instead of being off put by, especially that first one, forging signatures, Dickie's amused. He's like, oh, well, that's three. Nobody should have more than one talent. So he's the talented Mr. Ripley. There you go. And so he's clearly naturally built to just take over people's identities if he really wants to. But Dickie treats him as, you know, a source of amusement as opposed to something to be suspicious of. He, yeah. Like at first he's a little bit cold in a kind of boyish way. Like, oh, oh, look how pale he is, Marge. He's not even tan. Have you ever seen anybody so white, Marge? And he's making fun of him. But even like down to his taste, Dickie's such a yes man. He tries to plant like all the same interests. Like, oh, yeah, I love jazz, too. And I love this musician. And, oh, Bird's the name of my sailboat. And, of course, they they bond over that. So Dickie just. <laughs> Which is, I mean, I don't know. It just seems a little obvious. Like if I if I had a sailboat named Pink Floyd and somebody was like, oh, my favorite is Pink Floyd. Look behind me. Oh, look, look at, at this the huge boat. I have a boat named us. Pink Floyd. Let's have sex. We're destined, <laughs> destined to be together. That's right. Yeah. But I just I never got the impression that he was he was smooth. He was kind of building as he went. He was a little clumsy at times. Yeah. You know, there's yeah. some grifters that are so smooth, so suave that they make no mistakes. Uh, he just, he made a lot of mistakes. And then of course, toward the end, he had to try to cover them up in a very yeah. grisly way. Well, that's yeah, why I think it, the movie one is so different from the novel, Tom, because yeah, this Tom makes a lot of mistakes and he almost gets caught at a few turns, but you know, things just kind of work out for him because oh, yeah. of this like level of politeness that the upper class was expected to have. So when he gets uppity when they start accusing him of things like even later in the movie when they're like are you a homosexual and he's like excuse me and gets outraged by it uh, oh my god oh my god <laughs> <laughs> it's that it's that male outrage that actually saves him at almost every turn because he's like what are you accusing me of say it you know to my face and he gets all flustered about it but that, you know, with every authoritative figure, with everybody, they're just like, oh, yeah, sorry about that. Tell him I'm not gay, Steve from Coupling. And, yeah, oh, poor Jack Davenport. Commodore Norrington, as I like yeah, to Yeah, also, also that. Yes. Uh, he's done some he, other stuff, but he, in my opinion, his role in Coupling was spoiled. his best. Oh, yeah, yeah he's great. Yeah, but, he's fantastic. Uh, he that. sadly gets a short drop and a sudden stop at the end of this movie. Um. What you were saying, though, about the differences, you know, the, the making the character more... Um, sociopathic instead of psychopathic yeah i i think and i'm just guessing here i'm not trying to read minds but i suspect Aren't that you? the screenwriter probably wanted to make uh ripley more of an 
you know, the every guy, more of the relatable characters. So it's sort of like it's a very powerful thing in movies to take a character that's like you. Well, I think Minghella adapted the script and he actually okay. made it his final say who got to be Tom Ripley. And he defended that saying that he chose Matt because da- I uh, guess who turned down the title role <gasps> to be Tom Ripley? Oh, Ooh. Leonardo DiCaprio. Yes, because yeah, you obviously. keep bringing up. <laughs> Catch me. Ob- obviously Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah, It was. And Matt Damon was just like, I threw my hat into the ring and was begging well, for the job. But not even so much from a casting standpoint, but just from a writing standpoint, you you've got this this concept of a, a character who maybe makes a mistake. He tells a lie, and then something bad happens, and he tells another lie to cover that up, and then it gets worse, and then he's he's killed someone, and it's like that for certain types of personalities, myself included. That's the sort of nightmare you have, where like you have a dream that you've done something, and you're like, oh my god, and. Uh, I have to deal with the consequences yeah. of this, you know, and then you wake up and go, oh, I didn't. Thank God I didn't yeah, yeah. drown those kittens or uh, something. Hey. <laughs> God damn. I'm talking about killing people. Not yeah. I thought you were talking about. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, he was talking about, about a killing, monster. But not cute little kittens. Yeah. Twirling my mustache. I'm a true villain. No, well, that's, that's why I always tell the truth. It's just much easier. Way easier. Way easier. Well, it turns out your parents weren't lying about that. No, they were not. The truth will set you free. Well, I mean, one of the things they teach you when you when you you start doing interrogations, you know, you you sit down with with whoever it is you're interrogating or even if it's just like a witness and you're not necessarily interrogating them, but you ask them, tell me everything that happened and they're they'll give it to you in sort of a chronological event. And then you start asking them about stuff out of sequence. Uh. And if you're if you're telling the truth, you're, you're going to be fine because you just have to remember. Right. But if you're lying, you're you're always trying to Reconst- pe- to you're reconstructing. reconstructing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they train a lot of people to do it. like cops. The You'll tell them, oh, yeah, I had two beers over the course of three hours. Oh, so you had uh, several beers at the bar? No, I said I had two. Like, it's just actually there's a different reason cops do that because <laughs> they're trying to trick you into, I know. into saying something that isn't true. <laughs> That's okay. right. Yeah. Um, let, uh, the ladies in the movie. Um, Kate Blanchett and Gwyneth Paltrow, Gwyneth Paltrow. Who would work again with Jude Law in a uh, huge flop of a movie. Aww. Does anyone? It did, I, I'm actually curious if either of you have even heard of the movie. That science fiction movie. Um, I'm trying to remember. Jude Law and Gwyneth Paltrow. Yeah, lay it on us. Yeah. Not, Sky Captain and oh. the oh. World of Tomorrow. Yes, I love that it's so trash. I, I, I have tried. Yes, Angelina movie. Jolie. Yeah. She wears an eye patch the entire time. Yeah. Just because. It's cause, cool. And it's, it's so in like, bad. it's in black and, is it black and white or is it like low res color? It's low res color. I think it's low res yeah, color. Yeah, yeah. It's supposed to be like evocative of like the old serials from Meg the 20s. Meg and I love that movie. It's I've so never, terrible. I have never made it to the end. Oh, it's so terrible. I can't even. I've gotten bored. I like get halfway into it and I'm. Gone <laughs> to my head. I can't tell you what it's about, but I love that movie. It's so Sky bad. Captain and the World, the world of, of Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Watch out for that Hitler. Yeah, that's that's exactly what that movie was. But yeah, so, you know, they... Uh, they it was a Jude uh, Law vehicle that crashed. Yeah, oh. and I, I think uh, both of them ended up at Philip Seymour Hoffman's funeral. Mm. Uh, I don't think Matt Damon was there because I was reading that article today. Because uh, anytime I see... Why wasn't Matt Damon there? I, it just wasn't. It wasn't on the list I saw. He was oh, filming. Okay. Yeah. He was busy. Um, at a concert. I mean, he's still a working actor. Because every time I see a movie with Philip Seymour Hoffman in it now, I just go, hey, yeah. oh, yeah. Rest yeah. in peace, buddy. That's, yeah, that, that sucks. 
Yeah, because, I mean, the more movies you watch, especially ones you haven't seen in a while, because last time I saw this movie, all the actors involved were still alive. That is no longer the case. No, and, James Rebhorn is gone. Mm-hmm. Um, and well, tell the hindsight who James Rebhorn is, for uh-huh. those who don't know. Uh, James Rebhorn plays, uh, the what's the dad's name? Herbert Greenleaf. Herbert, Herbert Greenleaf. And yes. James Rebhorn is one of, was one of those veteran character actors. Oh, he um, was amazing. You would, you would throw James Rebhorn in, Anytime you needed just a solid performance out of somebody, mm-hmm. uh, he was in. God, he was in a lot of stuff. Scent of a Woman. Uh, he you was love the, that oh, movie. Right. Oh, fantastic yeah. movie! One of my all-time favorites. Another Philip Seymour so Hoffman. Yeah, another Philip Seymour Hoffman. That's yeah. true. Um, he was in From the Earth to the Moon. He's been in a ton of stuff, and for some reason, I've always sort of linked him and Bob Balaban, like they're on yeah. the same level. And thank God we still have Bob Balaban. So you know, hopefully, twenty twenty will be kind to us and and we won't lose him but uh before we take our break jason getting back to your uh you were bringing up the ladies of this movie so we have kate blanchett yeah. who we actually passed over so it's good that we're talking about them uh kate not blanchett, nearly as big a role as i thought she was gonna have well the reason why her the role that she plays is even as uh, sizable as it is is because Mangello was just infatuated with kate blanchett when he was casting for the movie, he wanted a Kate Blanchett type and then was amazed when she herself oh. actually showed interest in playing Meredith Logue. So uh, Meredith is actually the first of the, you know, sort of richy rich crowd that Tom encounters when he uh, lands in Italy. <laughs> Don't you just hate having money? Ah. Well, yeah. They Fuck say, you. Well, it's, it's that He's such a bird. Yeah. That entire, <laughs> you know, social set where they're just even uh, Gwyneth Paltrow is just like, Oh, I couldn't stand uh, the airs of everyone in New York. And so I just ran off to Paris immediately to work on my book. And it's just, uh, shut up. (laughs) Yeah. I hate all of you. Well, see, and that's that's another thing about the movie is that I I didn't give a shit for anyone in it. They're terrible people. Anyone. I mean, it was like. Marge is not a bad person. Well, that's true. Yeah, that's true. She's pretty cool. And Meredith doesn't really do anything wrong either. So the women are not actually that terrible. Well, but they are insufferable they are. they're not like like overtly bad people doing well, bad things but the, i just don't care there's no one in this movie that i'm like god i hope that guy comes out on top and, oops yeah and, <laughs> and not that i'm he may he may have and it's popular to hate on gwyneth paltrow these days due to goo <laughs> whatever yeah. other things people pile on for with her but she she strikes me as a naturally born Karen. I mean, when your mother's Blythe Danner, you don't have much of a choice. I, I don't uh, know. I don't see a Karen coming up with, what does she have, like a vagina candle? Mm. Yeah, goop. That's mm-hmm. what I just yeah. brought up. No, goop. no, but that's one of their products, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't even know how that would work. Oh, I thought that was the name of the candle. I didn't know it was the company name. Oh, wait, it's like a scented candle? Yeah. Mm. It uh, smells like Gwyneth Paltrow's vagina. That's the entire. Gist. I have one. I shall, I'll bring mine into. Uh, oh, next week. oh my god, Adam! <laughs> Ew! <laughs> Clean and it off a note, little bit. <laughs> on yeah. that note, I think we might need to take a break, please. Yeah. Please. It smells a little it? like my butt now. I don't know why. But let's. Hey. Uh, how about we cut? Wait. Uh, yeah. I don't get me the hell yeah out of yeah here. we're we're gonna take a break because I need to use my whiteboard for a minute. <laughs> um, we'll be back in about one second. And we're back. Isn't, it, isn't Italy beautiful? It is. It really movie. is. Well, yeah, it's amazing how the tone changes from the, the first half to the second oh, half. Absolutely. Uh, because now, um, you know, Steve from Coupling is in it. Yes. Uh, Commodore Norrington or Lieutenant Norrington becomes Commodore Norrington. Does he die in those? No, of course not. Oh, well, I don't know. I've never seen him. 
You've never seen Pirates of the Caribbean? I saw the first one. Okay. <laughs> I saw the first one. When he was lieutenant. Yeah. I, I did Nor not. Well, he becomes Commodore pretty damn quickly. Yeah. Uh, like Regular Horatio for- Hornblower. <laughs> and that's how he got promoted. <laughs> Do we got- Works for the best of us. How do you make a fuzzy navel? <laughs> <laughs> we got any nectarine juice? Uh, anyway. Um, <laughs> so things are oh, going. Oh, no, he does die in Pirates of the Caribbean. Damn it, Jason. Does you he made become, me spoil that for everyone. Does he become a ghost? How is that my fault? I just asked <laughs> <laughs> Now I've got to double check myself before I wreck it. Wait a minute. <laughs> no, we don't need to go wait, down Wait, wait, wait. Ms. Ms. Super fan, Pirates of the Caribbean. You had you... me doubting myself. <laughs> I didn't suggest otherwise. I just asked the no, question. Yes, These I are know, hard. No, okay. Yes, he does die. Mm-hmm. Spoiler alert. He gets stabbed by uh, uh, one of Davy Jones' crew mm. because he's helping Elizabeth and her crew escape in the third movie. He becomes a good guy. Well, he starts out as a good guy. He's he's mostly the good guy throughout it. It's Jack fucking up his life the entire time. So it doesn't matter. But he does yeah. perform admirably in this film. I, think I kind of shut oh, yeah. it out because yeah. he's yeah. such a good character in everything that he's in. I oh, he's a, yeah, he, yeah, he's a great actor. Uh, he's one of those guys that you see and you think... He doesn't yeah, die yeah. as Steve on yeah. Coupling, though. That's the good thing. That's true. He survives he Coupling. Survives yeah, he survives Coupling. coupling. Some, the British version of Friends are, or the... the American version of uh, how, many I think I, how many seasons? Which one came first? Th- three seasons. Oh, okay. no, uh, four. Weren't was they? it four? I think so. I can't no. remember. Uh, Friends came first. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. Okay. Couple, yes, coupling coupling was like 2000. It's like oh, okay, 2000 yeah. to 2004, right. somewhere Friends around came there. Along in the 90s. Okay. Um, really, really good show, though. A hysterical show uh, done by, uh, it's going to kill me, the guy who took over Doctor Who. Um, Matt Smith. <laughs> no, 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 no. The producer, the the showrunner. Um, I don't remember. Gonna, this is going to absolutely kill me. Uh, I'll think about it. But Jack Davenport is in this movie is the reason why we fell down that rabbit hole. The point is, uh, oh, wow, we really have skipped ahead because uh, this is a long movie, Hindsiders. It's well over two hours long. So as we discussed, Tom truly covets the lifestyle of Dickie Greenleaf and at first, he's fine with just glomming on to Dickie's existence and going along with him to all the jazz clubs and such. But then, I don't think Tom means it as sinister, but it comes across that way. He starts developing deeper feelings for Dickie. And he likes Dickie? Yeah. <laughs> Is that kind of what you're saying? Take it all, Dickie. <laughs> he, he I like me some Dickie. Mm. Now, yeah, did you his... used to have to wear a Stephen Moffat? <laughs> yes. Stephen Moffat, who also produced oh the uh, oh. yeah, who who, who also produced the Sherlock Holmes, the Benedict Cumberbatch. Right. Uh, yeah. Stephen Moffat walked into a bar, everybody died. We know. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. So anyway, I don't I don't even remember why we were trying to connect that. But yeah, those, that's because he was coupling. With yeah, yeah. Part. Are those his real teeth? Or are those prosthetic teeth? They look a little Matt Damon's. Damon's. <laughs> Matt Damon's. In all teeth. of my Matt thorough Damon. research, I haven't Matt Damon. I haven't. I seen think there anything. is teeth. He's probably had work done. He probably has. He had him. Oh, probably. Down. But um, you have to give credit to Matt Damon because I think he's one of those guys, Jason. You've you've measured actors like this before, like Mel Gibson before his crack up. He's the kind of guy that you would want to have a beer with. I've always felt that way about Matt Damon because, especially when Team America came along and they asked him about his reaction to his fictionalized character of himself, his puppet self, as it were. Sean Penn was livid and he was just like, this is a mar on cinema history and I'm Sean Penn. He was so angry. (laughs) 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 Meanwhile, Matt Damon, Damon. the reason why I lapsed earlier and said Yale, Matt Damon actually went to Yale for a few years and dropped out 
So I would, had Yale on the brain because it's Matt okay. Gaiman. But, All right. By the way, if so, anybody at home can hear a strange sort of rumbly sound, it is raining outside our studio. It is Armageddon so that is, right now. Mm-hmm. Don't but, joke. It could be. Uh, Oops. I oh. mean, it's 2022. Yeah. What the yeah. hell else is going to happen? And I'm not even saying that to like confront the universe. I'm getting out of here. <laughs> no, yeah. but seriously, Matt Damon attended Yale in real life, dropped out to pursue acting. And um, I was going somewhere with that. Oh, his reaction yeah. to his puppet self. So he could be snootier in real life. He could be a Dickie Greenleaf if he really wanted to be because, oh, I'm, you know, uh, the Ivy League, whatever. But no, they're like, Matt Damon, how did you feel about the fact that your puppet was basically so mentally disabled that he could only remember his own name? And he was like, I thought it was funny as hell. Like, See, he, that's he how you do it. You got to get ahead of the joke. Yeah. And, you know, you got to be like Shatner. But don't take yourself so seriously. Right. You know, we're all going to be in the same place in 100 years. Just have mm-hmm. fun with it. You know, that's, that's the oh, thing. To the point. So uh, I don't know if you guys know this about, I think it was the second day. Deadpool. Did you know that Matt Damon is in it? No, really. Yeah, he's one of the the two rednecks yes. with, uh, with is Nathan Fillion, Alan Tudyk, Alan Tudyk. Yes, yeah, from Firefly. That's a fair mistake. And they're both in <laughs> such like crazy makeup and prosthetics on their face; they're unrecognizable. But well, look at Brad Pitt. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was yeah cool Brad Pitt. Too. But no, but hang on. So uh, Matt Damon's in uh, Deadpool 2 with Alan Tudyk being that redneck. And guess what his character's name is in that movie? I don't, I don't know. Dickie Greenleaf. No. Oh. <laughs> yes. They got married. Now I'm kidding. I got to look that married. up. That's awesome. Oh, it's in my research. Hindsiders, look Hind that up now. Hindsurfers. It is tough to say. But it is a movie about Hindsurfers, this movie. But, uh, so the guy who plays the guy who plays Steve, so he's got to the guy who plays Steve on coupling. I don't know what his actual Peter name. is his name Pe- in this. His uh, name is Peter Jack Davenport. Dickie, Hines- Jack Davenport. <laughs> but he plays a character named yeah. Peter who's Jack- friends with Marge, yeah, the fiance. So Jack Davenport, his list of on screen romances includes Matt Damon Ooh. and Sarah Alexander. So wow. that's he's pretty, batting a thousand. That's pretty good no matter which team you're on. You uh, know? Yeah. Because Matt Damon's a well, good-looking dude. Did you you you've seen the the Matt Damon Jimmy Kimmel kind of Mm-mm. shtick where Jimmy keeps uh, playing G- like oh we're Jimmy all out of time a, yeah <laughs> we're we're, we're going to bring uh, Matt in oh we're out of time and then they have a big fight well Matt Damon has an affair with his girlfriend Sarah Silverman uh-huh. and they make a whole thing <laughs> about that which is very funny and then the other Matt Damon what a great story what is his name. <laughs> The, like, other Matt yeah. the other Matt Damon. What are you talking about? Yeah, his partner, who never does any work, who plays ben Batman. Affleck. Ben Affleck. Yeah, I call him the other. No, Matt he's Damon. not the latest Batman. <laughs> I don't want to talk about Batman. Yeah, I didn't hate it. But that's the best you can say. No, that's, that's, that was it. I didn't hate I didn't, it. Hindsight It's a hit. I, I won't give anything away. What I will say about the newest Batman. Uh, they don't call him Batman. They call him the vengeance throughout the movie. But the star of the movie is Rob Pattinson's boots. Go see it and disagree with me. Let's Bootsy. see what happens. All right. Uh, but anyway, yeah. So Ben Affleck, what about him? Well, then they have that shtick and then Jimmy Kimmel has an affair with the other Ben Affleck. So as he gets back at the Matt other Damon. Ben Affleck. Did you have a stroke and no one noticed? I, I might have. Like, what's no. happening? So, I'm sorry. It's late. I had a hard day and I'm, I'm just starting to wind down after having a huge meal. Oh, yes. I, I fed him hindsight. So no, now he's. But Ben Affleck and Jimmy Kimmel have a little to do to to make fun of the 
Matt Damon and Sarah Silverman thing. You've never seen that? I have seen portions of I it. it. I didn't it's, realize that Ben Affleck was It is was raw. Involved. It is gross. And you all because, have to see uh, it. Because Hindsiders, for those of you who don't know, Jimmy Kimmel was basically pulling a prank on Matt Damon for the longest time since he has his night show. He would put Matt Damon on the roster to appear as a guest and then leave him till the very end and be like, oh, that's it. We're all out of time. Sorry, Matt Damon. Maybe next time. And he did this to him <laughs> repeatedly to the point where... And I think it was all planned out. Oh, well, well, yeah, it was all, like, it's all. Yeah. But they cut the mics, as it were, and Matt Damon's just sitting there just <laughs> going nuts on Jimmy Kimmel on the set and screaming at him. It was actually a pretty good shtick. Oh, if only it wasn't, you know, if only it was real. <laughs> That'd make it so much better. I'd love I'd love to live in a world where Matt Damon actually beat the crap out of, uh, out of him. That'd be lovely. Um, okay, so when... We when, haven't got... Well, we've passed a huge part of the movie, which is that Tom murders Dickie. So in the movie versus the book, where the book, it's all planned out. Uh, That'd be a great way of saying I got to go poo. <laughs> got to go murder Dickie. <laughs> <laughs> got to go beat Dickie with a paddle. <laughs> that's, a, that's a whole thing. That's a different thing. Entirely, actually. <laughs> oh, God. So, yeah, uh, Dickie, <laughs> Dickie is running around on Marge. He impregnates a local Italian woman uh, in Manji. Her name is Silvana. And during a festival in their town, Silvana drowns herself because it's the 50s. It's a very Catholic country. You know, she can't be married. Or excuse but me, suicide is a mortal a- sin. And yeah, if, you're that, you're if you're that Catholic. Yeah. Because it's, it's like. There's some juxtaposition. No, well, see, that's why I wonder if. It, I, I genuinely wonder if she killed herself. I wonder. Well, Dickie didn't kill her. I wonder about Jude Law. That's what I'm saying. Dickie yeah. is Jude Law. Okay. All right. But how do you know he didn't? He was kind of freaking out about it. Like, you see, know, that came across he... as fake to me. Really? I thought it was fake. But I mean, it obviously it was fake. It was acting. But <laughs> but I mean, I especially if it's Jude Law's. Acting. I don't know. I just I felt like how he's up there, you know, making a big fuss. Call an ambulance. Call, and everyone's like, she's dead. And well, he's that like, was call his... an ambulance. Call an ambulance. Well, that was kind of his guilt because he's this he runs around life. And uh, uh, Mingela actually made a note about this, how. Dickie is the one who loves jazz and he's committed to that, you know, freelance kind of freewheeling lifestyle. And Tom seems to be the more conservative one because he's into the classical music and he plays the piano. But really, Tom is the one who knows how to improvise at the end of the day. Mm. He's the jazz artist because, you know, he rolls with the punches and kills these people and then assumes their identity, whatever. But uh, Dickie, that's where his guilt comes out. Silvana dies and he's like, why won't anybody call an ambulance? Somebody do something. And then he confesses to Tom that he impregnated Silvana uh, and Marge is Marge knows, but she doesn't know for sure. Uh, yeah. She knows that Dickie runs around on her because she has a pretty poignant moment with Tom. Hang on on uh, the boat because Freddie miles comes in uh. and wrecks the whole, uh, you know, vibe between Dickie and Tom by stealing Dickie's attention away from Tom and Tom starts to get jealous and irrational and they're all out sailing. Tom is supposed to go skiing with them uh, come Christmas. But suddenly Freddie shows up and he's not invited anymore. And Marge specifically Aww, says. Bitch. <laughs> it, I'm not getting derailed. The thing uh, she says, the thing with Dickie, it's like the sun, su- the sun shines on you and it's glorious. And when he forgets you, it's very, very cold. When you have his attention, you feel like you're the only person in the world. That's why everybody loves him. It's always the same whenever he meets somebody new. And that's just the boys. So she knows that he's running around on her. Yeah. But she can't point fingers specifically because she runs into Silvana at the market and she's like, oh, yeah, apples, please. Uh, how are you today, Silvana? <laughs> she's none the wiser as to who it is. Yeah. And, you know, I suppose it could be you could also interpret 
the Silvano thing as uh, Tom Ripley killed her. If you he does volunteer, he's like, I could take responsibility. Yeah, he's really quick to, you know, I'll do whatever. Right. And if he knew something was wrong or just in some way, if he just came to the conclusion that she should die, I could see him doing it. Yeah. Well, you know, it's I, sort of like at the end with Steve. Yeah. You know, yeah. Steve <laughs> with Peter, with Peter. I think yeah. the problem with, uh, you know, Tom's character is that he's so eager to fit in and please like. He's doing everything correctly on paper because when Silvana does die, he does volunteer to take responsibility for impregnating her because he has no status to lose. So theoretically, him taking responsibility should relieve Dickie and be and Dickie should be grateful to him and be like, oh, yeah, stay with me forever. You're awesome. You're my scapegoat. We need an scapegoat, Jason. <laughs> but um, so Tom offers to be the scapegoat, but I didn't really interpret that as him having killed her to get her out of. Dickie's oh no, way. I, th- I think it's just possible. Right? Or D- I didn't think Dickie yeah. killed her either. But that's the one time you see Dickie really with a conscience because he was like, she came to me for money to solve the problem of being pregnant, and I didn't help her, and Which- she's dead. If you're that what? Catholic, once again, you're getting an abortion. Well, like, yeah, and also if you're if you're Jude Law's character and you're a complete dirtbag, yeah, and a girl comes up to you and says, "I need money to you know Abort get your fixed," baby. it seems like not <laughs> only get, did you just say get fixed? Yeah, mm-hmm. he's the fixer. It seems like oh, it's that easy. You can't unscrew a light bulb. <laughs> um, but it seems like not only would he give her the money. But he would drive her there right? and yeah. he would stand there and make, damn, I'm not. I, don't, Where's Ari Shafir when you need Look, her? I'm not, I'm not advocating for any of this. I'm just saying that character. Call Jason it at seemed, 555. Yeah. <laughs> one, two, one, two. And it's a fake number. Yes, it is. No. Um, no, it just seems to me like if you're that sort of character that it's everything is about you, totally self-centered, you would just go ahead and. You it know. would be your idea. Yeah, it's yeah. It's like like he would be the one going. No, we're we're going because but he doesn't. Want I'd like Mark to see to your quietest out. doctor, please. <laughs> but I, but this just shows you how when you're young, lust can be blind because Dickie oh, is yeah. not charming at all to me from an outsider. <laughs> I just want to beat the shit out of him, know. you know, because he's. But he doesn't treat anyone. You know, sometimes people who are natural charmers they really draw you in, but he's just an over user. Yeah, well, people, and he's a douche. To, yeah, douche. to him, people are sources of amusement. Exactly. And Marge exactly. has got him pegged as far as that goes because she—that's what she's telling Tom. Like, yeah, you know, he's not looking at you anymore, so it's cold. Like the sun isn't shining on you anymore. And why does she stay with him? She likes that lifestyle too. Yep. Right? Well, because mm-hmm. he keeps coming back to her for some reason. Because he even—that's why he and Tom eventually uh, have their lovers' quarrel on the boat. So Dicky, uh, after Silvana dies, uh, uh, <gasps> we just got a little bit of Damon butt. We got some Damon ass. <laughs> Damon. He's, he's after all the other boys. I need to check your asshole. <laughs> you ever do hard time, Doc? He has but, a candle for it. But, smells like my vagina. Anyway, what was a, that voice? <laughs> that was that was Sean Connery. He loves he loves Gwyneth Sean, Sean Connery candles. <laughs> oh, Trebek, you puffed up. Sean Connery is actually the the person who you would like to see teleported into this movie. <laughs> Stop mincing about you, Paltrow. You're with me. Slapped her. <laughs> right in the ass. Wacko. But uh, Dickie is so guilty of uh, Silvana's death that he wants to leave Manji and start over in a new city in Italy somewhere. And so he and Tom go scouting in a boat to find a new place. And Dickie starts making fun of Tom and calling him boring and calling him a leech. And so Tom gets so 
worked up over it that he slaps Dickie over the head with a boat oar and like splits his head open. And they yeah, cuts the shit out of well, him. It was and, bleeding profusely. Yeah. In an interview, Jude Law said that they messed each other up pretty badly, even like play fighting. I, they, yeah. they both uh, broke ribs uh, what? in this fight. Uh, he. Jude Law Tough left. being an actor. Yeah, Jude yeah. Law left like a bruise around Matt Damon's neck, so it got pretty, uh, you know, lemony on that mm. boat. <laughs> <laughs> lemony snickets. Lemony, lemony fresh. But so yeah, Tom murders Dickie and then assumes his identity. Yeah, and what and then and then Freddie clues into it. So Freddie doesn't. I mean, Freddie. He's he's pretty suspicious. Yeah, he is. And well, Freddie's possibly the most he's one of the more despicable friends of Dickie. He's even worse than Dickie. Oh yeah, you just hate he, him. He fla- like his first line I think in the movie, he he rides up to them in Rome and he's like, "Oh, don't you want to sleep with every woman you see just once?" Like and he's like at least once, you know, and he just flaunts the fact that he has affairs left and right and like, "Oh, you think I'm drunk? Uh, think about what her husband must be doing." Or uh-huh. just something like that. To the point where Tom despises him, so when he kills Freddie, he's like, "Oh, you think I'm drunk? Guess what her husband's doing?" Like he does an impersonation, and it's every reaction is different when he murders somebody. So when he murders Dickie, it's like shock and regret. And then a media adaptation because he's got to sink the boat, sink Dickie's body, yeah. adapt to the he's situation. He's got to cover up. He's got to cover yeah. things mm-hmm. up. He, he mourns Dickie and like cuddles with his body. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, that was pretty fucking creepy. But see, and that's another problem I had with the movie. If I had, if I was in a situation where it was like, oh man, I committed these murders here in, in sunny Italy. Here I go killing again. Yeah. And I have access to money. I'm going to get the money, put it and in leave. a Swiss bank account and get the out of it i'm gonna go to tokyo well that's the problem he doesn't you know? he doesn't have um he has a fixed amount of money just like dickie does because dickie gets like uh an allowance from his father and that's what he lives on because uh when tom like couples their money together dickie's like oh let's get a car even though he doesn't know how to drive and marge is like no let's get something more practical like a refrigerator that'd be awesome an icebox an icebox <laughs> well that it, but that actually makes a lot of sense though because one of the big flaws in the movie you notice uh the scene where freddie drives up for the first time he's in an alfa romeo and he drives up and he parks and he gets out and you know says that line that you just mentioned and that's actually flawed because there's no way an alfa romeo would have made it that far <laughs> <laughs> So basically, if the choice is between an Alfa Romeo and an icebox, the yeah. icebox is probably your wiser investment. It may run longer. Yeah. For as long as Dickie's going to be interested, I, it'll suit his life span. Well, you yeah. know what Fiat stands for, don't you? Fix it again, Tony. Thank you very much. It says it's how you made. I pay attention when you talk. Yeah. Like, what, what is Lotus? Lots of trouble, usually serious. Oh, that is. <laughs> and right this is coming from target. a guy who drives a Jag, so I know yes. I'm being, I'm tempting fate. <laughs> I'm still, making fun of you. Your still runs great. Though. It still does. Yeah, I love it's, it. It still does. As he roars out of the studio every day. Although I am actually thinking of, I'm not getting rid of the Jag, but I was thinking with the price of fuel um, getting so expensive that it's actually cheaper just to do cocaine and run every year. <laughs> um, You'll lose a that, hell of a lot of weight, too, yeah, hindsight. Yes. That's not my joke. I don't even know who came up with that, but I heard it from somebody else. It's good. Else. It was good. Um, I'm actually thinking of getting a Vespa. <gasps> nice. <laughs> And going, ciao. <laughs> Just be quiet over there. Hey, ciao. Because uh, I, I found yeah. out we actually have a Vespa dealer not that far from here, and they're like really cheap. Well, and you, and you get 80 miles to the gallon. And you don't yeah. have to go fast, actually, Jason. You, you just can't. crouch down yeah. and look like you're going exactly, fast. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> and you have to go through a lot of traffic circles. You have to, well, you know, of course. Yeah. And, and put a dog on there so his ears are yeah, flapping in the yeah. wind, like on a Stripe shirt. 
Exactly. You know? uh, I'll have to start smoking again. Of course you, know, you will. You know. You'll have to have your hair cut neat and in your wartime yeah. coat yeah. in the wind and sleep. Yes. 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 Ciao. Hey, just be quiet over there. Ciao. There's a bank rate going on in the distance. <laughs> we could do this all day. We could. Uh, uh, we love you, Eddie Izzard. But it all comes tumbling down. Yes, because the progression but it, of But then murders, it doesn't. It Yeah, so and it ends more or less the same way from movie to book. Well, so. there's two endings. The, it's got two endings. Okay, explain. Well, because the first ending is the confrontation between Tom Ripley and the detective, where you think, well, the detective is about to drop the hammer on him. The gig is up. Yeah, but then as it the turns gym. out, the detective is basically... <laughs> God damn it. But... <laughs> I did. I did not want to disrupt you, but she did it. <laughs> but the, um, as it turns out, the detective representing uh, Dickie's father, uh, Big Dickie, um, he, well, Big, yeah, yeah, Big and little, keep going, younger, keep younger, going, whatever, God, fine, grand, yeah. So he basically says, "Look, we, you know, we we know what happened. You, you know, we actually think that you've been a super good friend in all of this, well, okay, and we're okay. going to give you some money." We're, we're, we're going to give you a nice chunk of money. Why? Well, you know. Uh, hush money. Hush money. Perhaps. Uh, yeah. But, well, because it comes to light. So you think that Tom <gasps> is going to be busted at oh, the end. Yeah. And Marge is wise to his act. She knows that Tom. But she's a woman. Yes. And, and she, back they then, even call her hysterical. We don't take them serious. Right. Yeah, right. We don't take us seriously now, but whatever. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we say we do at least. It's a step in the right direction. Anyway. Proceed. No, but seriously, so Marge is hip to the whole game. She knows that Tom murdered Doesn't have Dickie, proof, but She doesn't have proof, except, well, she, she, just she draws it. two very different conclusions from the movie to the book when she finds Dickie's ring. So there's some setup to that when Dickie's still alive. She buys him this hideous uh, pinky <laughs> ring, Tom. I'm never allowed to take it off. And she's like, oh, yes, he swore to me that he'd never take it off ever. And even after he supposedly leaves her for another woman, which he was running around on her in real life. So it's not that big of a stretch. Yeah. Tom makes it out that he, you know, he's like, all right, Marge, uh, you know, I'm going over here to figure out my feelings for you. Maybe I'm seeing other women. Who knows? And he just paints this you know, terrible picture of Dickie pretending that Dickie's still alive so that he can continue to spend Dickie's allowance. And pretend to be Dickie. But uh, so Marge finds the rings in Tom's apartment because Tom, you know, can't let go of that piece of Dickie because he was in love with him. And you'd think that a smart person would have gotten rid of all the evidence, but he doesn't. So he was holding on to a little Dickie. He was holding on to Dickie's ring. He liked the the dick ring. Okay. And so Marge (laughs) finds the rings in Tom's apartment. So she fits around his pinky. But this is important because in the movie, she then figures out, oh my God. Tom murdered Dickie and I've got to get away from him. And that's where he has that creepy speech where he's like, well, he's going to kill her. He yeah. Is. Because he puts a razor in his. Oh pocket yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. Tom, like, Tom is going absolutely to murder her. Oh yeah. Cause yeah. Uh, his, his hand starts to bleed in the pocket and he's about to cut her with his razor, but he's like, just write it down on a card and put it in your purse that Tom loves Marge. Save it for a rainy day. You're shivering Marge. Can I hold you? And it's the creepiest fucking speech ever. <laughs> Another reason why I was terrified yeah, of Matt. David. Yeah. That would be it, scary. In the book, Marge finds the ring. Same circumstances, but then immediately draws the conclusion that Dickie killed himself. Oh. She, she assumes that, but in both instances, and this is also a little different. So Tom, in both stories, writes a suicide note from Dickie. Now, in the movie, it's literally more about the relationship, like, oh, I wish I had treated you better and all the people in my life better. I was, I'm, you know, I'm not a good guy, whatever. And it, so he sort of leaves it at that as just a suicide note on Dickie's behalf. But in the book, 
Tom is actually brazen enough to actually plan it out and you know, Dickie leaves his money to Tom. Like he actually writes that note and sends it to Herbert. Uh, so the senior Greenleaf and in the book, you know, they just take the letter and they're like, okay, you know what? Dickie, you know, willed this to happen. So Tom winds up with uh, all of Dickie's estate. Whereas in the movie, it comes to light that Dickie had all these transgressions. The reason why he's in Europe in the first place is because he beat a boy to within an inch of his life at school. And so Herbert sent him, abroad to get away from the charges and Dickie's been knocking women up and just been, you know, a bit of a scamp his entire life. So yeah, the detective discovers everything about Silvana and all the evidence that Tom left behind that should be, you know, bringing light to the fact that he's the criminal. They end up drawing the wrong conclusion and thinking, Oh yeah, Dickie was a bad guy and he killed himself. So Herbert Greenleaf actually is part of Mm -hmm. Dickie's uh, inheritance to Tom. So he, either way he gets off, Almost scot free in the mo- in the book he gets completely yeah. scot free. Well, that's that's the first ending. The second yeah. ending is then on the boat where he you know he because he runs off with Peter because he and Peter develop a relationship. Yeah, so they they appear to be you know sailing away to start their new life and you know everything's going to work out fine. But then Kate Blanchett shows up and because and solely because, well, because- Tom Ripley can't figure out a way of while we're on this boat doing both at the same time. The only outcome is he's got to get rid of one of them. Right. There's her and her parents. So that's three people. It's just Peter. Right. So Peter's going to go. But at the end of the day, he chose the more difficult path because he had sewn everything up so nicely. Dickie's dead. He doesn't have to worry about leading the double life anymore, but he chose the path where he's still going to have to lead the double life. Yeah. And so people are going to think Dickie's still alive. Who knows? But what we didn't uh, discuss is when he first runs into Meredith Logue, a.k.a. Meredith or uh, Kate Blanchett in the beginning, it's his first taste of pretending to be an Ivy Leaguer where she's like, oh, aren't you Dickie Greenleaf? And but I saw you traveling with the R's. But why was your luggage in the R section? And he's like, oh, I travel under my mother's name. Mm-hmm. What's your mother's and, name? And uh, they he didn't Emily. say, but. Remember? <laughs> oh, that, I'm just no, kidding. he says that as his first name right, right. there at the yep. end of the movie. You're throwing off my rhythm. Oh, sorry. You I'll threw stop. off my groove. No, but uh, so she's like, oh, I travel under my mother's name too because I just can't stand all the code. Oh, I, I hate like, having money. Money yeah, sucks. It's so annoying because there are two. <laughs> this movie could have ended with a nuclear bomb and I <laughs> would have been, been better. All right, fine. Uh, but, <laughs> and they all die. So Meredith. <laughs> Sort of. Well, she keeps reappearing in uh, Tom's life, so she thinks he's Dicky throughout the story, and uh, he sort of dates her a little bit when he's in Rome. After Tom has actually killed Dicky, he's posing as Dicky, and but Marge is still trying to hunt him down, so everything gets complicated. So he dumps Kate Blanchett uh, to simplify matters, and then she runs into him again on the boat when he's finally scot free, uh, away from everything, and he's with Peter. He gets to lead his fabulous gay life. Good for him. But then Kate Blanchett frickin' shows up and ruins it because she still thinks yeah. he's sticky. Yeah. Boy, you got to feel bad for Peter. Mm-hmm. You do. Although, I think Peter he makes... He such a sad death. <laughs> he, he really does. They all go out pretty hard yeah. before Peter. And this was Peter. different, too. So Matt Damon was pretty, like, either angry or passionate with two of the people that he killed. But mm-hmm. with Peter, he tried to be as, 
you know, gentle as possible, I guess, because he he just kills him. him. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. I know that's squeezed yeah. Him real he hard. squeezed him to death. He <laughs> no, squeezed he, him. He uh, chokes him to death with a scarf. But when well, he, the other, he's a human being. He's not a chihuahua. Well, because he's <laughs> well, because there are two different metaphors. One in the movie, one in the book. So in the uh, movie, uh, there they talk about the basement because the best line in the movie, in my opinion, uh, Peter and Dicky or, or Peter and Tom are talking, and Tom. Uh, they're speculating, oh, Dickie killed Freddie Miles and everything's pointing toward Dickie and Tom or Peter's like, how do you just wake up after something like that? You know, be a person, wake up and have your coffee. How do you do that after you kill somebody? And Tom says, well, whatever you do, however terrible, however hurtful, it all makes sense, doesn't it? In your head. You never meet anybody who thinks they're a bad person. Yeah. And but then they go on to talk about this. It's a metaphor. They're like, they're, you know, all your lies and secrets. It's like a basement and you lock them away and you never visit them. And Tom was like, until, you know, everybody hopes and prays they're going to meet somebody that they can let into the basement and like air it out. And they know all your secrets and everything's great. And so the two of them start bonding over that. In the book, it's um, there's a bar called like, uh, the green cage, which is the metaphor for the trappings of you yeah. know, fanciness and money that he's going to get mired into later. But poor Tom, you know, like you said, he's between a rock and a hard place toward the end between Kate Blanchett and Jack Davenport. And yeah. he kills Jack Davenport. And, and you know, it, it ends there and you don't really you have no idea where, where the story will go from there you find out if you read the uh, novels because there's more than one about tom ridley yeah. so it's mm-hmm. uh i guess you find out in the subsequent stories about the he goes full history. hannibal lecter because <laughs> <laughs> you have yeah it's only How, been, what else yeah where could you go from yeah here? i mean <laughs> starts light gets heavy would it get light again no. yeah well because peter gets a bit jealous because he sees that tom is kissing mm-hmm. kate blanchett on the deck yeah. and He's not happy about that. On the what? On, On the, the deck. Deck. <laughs> deck. Oh, sorry. Kissed, you kissed sorry. her. Where? Sorry. In the mouth. <laughs> but, um, In the butt. <laughs> there we go back to the butt theme again. I tried to get away from it. And you pulled us right back into it. <laughs> butt pirate. <laughs> this is the weirdest place you've ever had sex. <laughs> Up the butt. <laughs> yeah, I remember that episode. Yeah. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> and and on that, no, we're, we're close to the end. We are. No, this yeah, this is this end, is it. Tom's yeah, about to murder he's about Peter. to squeeze him to death. And uh, as it turns out, it was Peter didn't exist. It was literally like a wiener dog. <laughs> and he's like, oh. <laughs> oh no! So I'm drowning kittens, and Jason's choking wiener dogs. <laughs> it's a euphemism. <laughs> Uh, <clears throat> anyhow, no, but it's it is a very sad, poignant moment where Tom decides to kill Peter because he he sits there and says another really big line, and he's just like, "I always thought it would be better to be a fake somebody than a real nobody." And you see kind of his vulnerability, and that's where you don't fully demonize Tom Ripley because you can kind of see through the chinks in his armor. Like he just wanted something so badly and stumbled into this horrible path. He didn't really plan it out. Uh, but no. in all the articles, people kept referring to him as a sociopath. And I don't think that's true because that that illustrates somebody who has a lack of conscience. And Tom This looks like me when I canceled Netflix. You were curling up I'm with so a man sorry. in bed? I'm so sorry. <laughs> Jason, you, you, you are scar. crushing me. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, Netflix. Around. So Tom tells him, you know, Peter, tell me some nice things about Tom Ripley. He says, Tom is talented. Tom is tender, beautiful, a mystery. Tom is He's not a nobody. <laughs> Tom has secrets he doesn't want to tell me, and I wish he would. He Surprisingly uh, uh, good with an oar. <laughs> no, God. 
says, Tom has nightmares. That's not a good thing. Tom has someone to love him. That is a good thing. And then you hear it gets quieter. And he's like, Tom is crushing me. Tom is crushing me. And it's really sad because he's choking him to death. And, and but then you hear like this maniacal just sobbing. And it's oh, it's heartbreaking. Uh, yeah, I suppose. I, I, I don't know. I, <laughs> just, yeah, I, right. <laughs> I By the time I got to this point, it was like just just. Oh, he's not going to die. Yeah, that was the only thing I was kind of hoping for. Was it that was it Ripley was going to die? Well, how okay uh, if he was going to die, how was he supposed to die? I don't, supposed, I don't know. Who was I, supposed to do him in? Oh like, well, there's a million ways he could have tried to kill uh, Peter, and Peter, you know, picks up something and wangs him in the head. Or he might have eaten the fish on the boat. Yeah, and then killed him. Yeah, you know. That would have been a great ending. Don't eat the fish. He just he just craps himself <laughs> to death. <laughs> and like he slumps over on the toilet. Yeah. Dehydrated. And then like Peter and uh, Kate Blanchett show up at the same time and they go, Tom, Dicky. What? <laughs> <laughs> Credits. My Dicky. No, that's my Dicky. <laughs> It would have been hilarious. <laughs> hilarious. Neither of them ever um, took him for a test drive. But, uh, yeah, so I guess we can't really do a thorough out to Seinfeld because I'm the only... Well, no, you, I you've seen, seen, seen it before. before. Okay, it, so. it's, it's a five. I, I didn't really like it that much back when I saw it. And I don't, like, dislike it. it it's The movie's a bit self-indulgent. And I don't really care for the performances very much why uh, I, I i just don't it's not again it's, it's sort of like going to a restaurant getting something and it's like well, it wasn't bad it's like you said with batman yeah i didn't I, hate I it yeah yeah i didn't hate it but i couldn't eh, it just didn't move the needle for me okay you know um so it was a five it it, it remains a five in yeah. my book and well, for you um I would say it definitely improved because I I didn't get all the nuances, all the innuendo, the homoeroticism. I didn't understand any of that when I was 12. And uh, just uh, to be able to appreciate the acting and not be scared shitless of Matt Damon, uh, definitely that gives it a better grade in my life. So, okay. Uh, I would say it bumped up to a seven. Okay. That's uh, good. Because I appreciate, I actually liked all of the actors. I felt that they were very they were naturals at the roles in which they were cast. For instance, Gwyneth Paltrow just gives off that air of aristocracy to me. She, See, I think just Gwyneth Paltrow to me is just a, a damp sponge. I've never so, seen, I've never seen Gwyneth Paltrow in a movie that made me like, Oh wow. Gwyneth Paltrow was so good in this. It, it, she's not bad. Well, she's one of those, but actresses. she's just, uh, it could have been January Jones. It could have been, you literally could have replaced Kate or uh, Gwyneth Paltrow with anyone. And well, I mean, fine going to since we've been talking about it, too. It's like Ben Affleck. When you see Gwyneth Paltrow in a movie, it's not, oh, I'm seeing whoever she's playing. It's like, oh, it's Gwyneth Paltrow in this costume. Oh, it's Gwyneth Paltrow in this movie. Same with Ben Affleck. I don't see who he's playing. I just see Ben Affleck, whereas Matt Damon can actually melt into a role. I think he's actually... Oh, he's yeah, no, Matt Damon. He's an incredibly yeah. talented, yeah, he's a talented actor. actor. Um, no, and it's nothing against yeah. any of them. It's just the it just didn't do it for me. I don't know. I thought yeah. they were all incredibly well suited for the roles in which they were cast, and I can appreciate that now that I'm older. And you know, just the 
it's kind of relatable at, at the very core of it because Tom just Well, wants, we've all been there. <laughs> murdering folks to fit in. <laughs> Who hasn't? No, but Mangella actually even said something about that. He said, we've all done our best to fit. I'm badly paraphrasing what he said, but it's like, we've all done our best to fit in. We've all felt, you know, like an outcast. None of, uh, Very few of us are flawed enough to kill to fit in, but this is a story about that extreme. And, you know, I can relate to that. And Everybody's been the outcast. I agree with that. Yeah. But uh, I think the movie jumped up to a seven for sure. Okay. And I first time I saw it, so I'll give it a five. But I did, there were some tense moments, I thought, with the inspectors. Oh, absolutely. I did like that. There were uncomfortable moments. I like the, the inspector. Yeah. He was actually my favorite I performance did, in I the did movie. Love the I really liked him. Perhaps my English is not so good. Yeah. No, it isn't very good. <laughs> Matt Damon gets so pissy with him. Oh, that's great. But, you know, the bath scene was a little uncomfortable. It was a little where weird. They were playing, well, we didn't talk about that. So, they playing uh, chess. That's yeah. where things do get really uncomfortable. Uh, Jude Law is playing chess naked in the bathroom. Matt Damon is sitting on the edge of the tub yeah. playing with him. And ne- never playing been chess in that situation. No, no, yeah, never been yeah, there. Yeah, I was going to, well, not even in the Navy, Mr. Brown. No, we had little tight showers only one yeah. of us could fit into for a reason. Yeah. They tested it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they made damage. As hard as you tried, you couldn't get more than one person in there. That's oh it. Oh, my. Couldn't wedge. But well, okay. So a uh, yeah. little bit above a five. Okay. Yeah. Five well, that's point. good. That's better than seven. I expected it to fare with you two. I thought y'all were going to be merciless about no. this movie. No. No, because it was. This wasn't Robin Hood. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> that's oh. it. Turn the cameras off. And for you, lady. Going down. And God. Take us home, Darth. Yes. Well, Hindsiders, thank you for joining us for this odd selection of mine. It's uh, definitely been a good discussion. Uh, way too many notes. I, I did too much homework because I'm a mega nerd, and we didn't get to fuck even a quarter of what I wrote down, which is okay. But uh, we appreciate you joining us for your drive time, your Vespa on the Italian countryside time, your murdering, your lavish friends time. This has been Darth, Adam, and Jason with Hindsight, and good night. <laughs>